It is Monday, November 28th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 12 Recap Show. I'm your host, Matt Shop. With me again is Adam Krautwurst. Adam, how did Thanksgiving treat you? It was pretty good. Uh, turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, uh, bill, Bill's win, uh, lots of fantasy. I love the three games on Thursday. That's amazing. And um, and a nice youth – we had a youth flag game uh, right around the corner from my house. It was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of kids – involved there so it was a f- f- fun day all around did you keep numbers for that and run a showdown for it uh i didn't but i i threw i threw a pick to like a nine-year-old so i don't know what that means for my future as a flag football quarterback are you still ahead of baker mayfield i think obviously obviously <laughs> yeah it's nice to have another three game day if only because it's one more day for my son to be like there's more football on now yeah buddy sorry it's Thanksgiving. Right. That's the way it's <laughs> it should get on board if you don't like it <laughs> yep yeah Good holiday, but it's good to be back for regular weeks. It's kind of like it, it, it's tough from the analysis standpoint because we had every team playing this week. So it was a lot of players to get to, a lot of teams to go through, getting set up for the week and then through the weekend. But now we're back to buys in the coming week. We got two teams on buy in week 13. We'll do some prepping for that. We got a full six-team buy in week 14 for some reason because apparently the NFL hates fantasy even though – we're basically making it as big as it is right now, but you know, <laughs> we'll address that as we move forward. You can always check the team Intel tab at the top of the not team Intel, whatever, check the top menu of the website, because I'm not good at remembering exactly what the terms are up there, but you can see strength of schedule. You can see adjusted fantasy points allowed. You can look ahead anytime you want and see what the upcoming schedule looks like for your players and where there are opportunities to pick up players who might help you down the stretch. We'll hit on a couple of those guys as we go through this. But for now, let's turn to the specific games of Week 12. Not going to go game by game through Thursday, Adam, but I think there are a few primary things worth taking away as we assess our fantasy teams going forward. The first for me from that first game, DeAndre Swift did see a season high in targets with eight. His playing time still didn't change significantly, though, so... I'm still waiting to see if the Lions give us a signal that DeAndre Swift is healthier, that they're going to give him the ball more, and then we can that that we can trust him in fantasy lineups. Until then, it's going to be tough to do so. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's just I don't understand. What, I don't think anybody understands what's what's going on there with the Swift situation. But um, you know, he still he. It's not like he looks bad either. But you know, still gets four four catches, eight eight, eight targets. You know, it's it's what you want. Out of Swift, but the five the five carry stinks, um, and the Bills were just tackling terribly too. So he could have had a monster game that game. But again, Jamal Williams, sixty six yards and a touchdown. So that's what he does. Yeah, Jamal Williams, goal line monster. That's Tony right. Pollard in the next game split work again with Ezekiel Elliott, edged Elliott by six snaps, beat him by two carries, beat him by one target. So we didn't get the production we wanted from Tony Pollard in this game, but. We got the playing time, and as long as that's happening, he remains in fantasy football lineups going forward. Yeah, 18 carries for for, for Pollard, 60 yards. I'm not really sure what happened. I mean, not, not like the Gi- Giants are like a middle-of-the-road uh, rushing de- defense, so I'm not really sure what happened here with Pollard not being able to pop off with all those carries. But, yeah, I mean, listen, if he's going to get those 18 carries a week, uh, we're going to be super happy with, with that. Only only two targets, but even that, 18 carries, two, two targets, 20 uh, opportunities. Uh, I'm not going to complain. And he, again, he's done enough for us the last couple of weeks um, that, uh, that I'm sure we can deal with this. 
Colts up next for them, then Texans, Jaguars, Eagles. So some good rushing spots coming up. Colts not necessarily a great rushing spot, but you know if we've got Tony Pollard playing as much as he is right now, he's going to be in a lot more lineups than he won't. And then we finished off Thursday with kind of a strange Patriots-Vikings game. We got a lot more passing production than anticipated out of that one. Mac Jones, it's way too early to call Mac Jones a passing factor. Obviously, none of us was expecting as many passing yards as he had in that game. But if he can put together two more weeks, the Patriots have the best quarterback scoring schedule from weeks 14 through 17. Now, I wouldn't want to head into that stretch with Mac Jones as my quarterback. But if we're talking about... I don't know, a super flex or like a 16-team, one-quarterback league where you've been hurting a quarterback. There's room for Mac Jones to be more of a factor in the fantasy playoffs than we would have guessed. Well, not only that, but like you said, you got six teams on bye week 14, you know, but then – the problem with guys like Mac Jones and stuff is he plays in, in, in a lot of inclement weather here at the end. And, and so he's going to run into this, some of these games where it's cold and windy and snowy and he just doesn't have it uh, in those type games. And they don't really want him to throw, you know, um, 39 times, you know? So, uh, but yeah, no, having that schedule is, is, is awesome. Um, and Ramondre Stevenson with nine, nine catches, 10 targets. Like a lot of it comes from those checkdowns to, to Stevenson, which makes it really easy for him. They do have Buffalo coming up this this Thursday night. After that, they're at Arizona, at Las Vegas. So weather shouldn't be an issue in those two again. I'm not saying go pick up Mac Jones and use him right now, but I'm going to be watching to see if he is somebody that we can use in some of these late season spots. Damian Harris suffered a thigh injury in that one, so we're going to have to watch him this week. Did not practice with the team Sunday. Obviously, if he's out, it only makes Ramondre Stevenson easier to play. And then Jacoby Myers basically crushed by my expectations in the over-under bets. Hurt his shoulder early in that game, did come back, only played 16 snaps. He downplayed the injury afterward, said that it felt better as the game wore on. But we're going to have to watch him this week to make sure that he's good to go and back ready for a usual role to give us the catches that we need. Yeah, still was okay, three three for 62. But like you said, was out for quite a bit and then came back, only saw four targets. On to the Sunday action. We'll start with Panthers at Broncos, 23 to 10 Panthers. I can't believe, Adam, that I bet Russell Wilson's over in passing yards. I, I like, I don't know. I, it's one of those things where as you're doing it, you're like, this is a mistake. This is a mistake. And then afterward, you're like, yeah, that was a mistake. I think it's the last time that I bet him. I bet is over this season, regardless of what the numbers are. Yeah, it's funny. We're, it was it was last week, week before. We're talking about like you know doing notes for the Broncos. It's just like the Broncos suck. It's just what ends up every week. That's all you got to put on there. I wonder how low can they make the Russell Wilson passing yards now for us to take the over? There's just no explanation for it. Um, you know, he just looks like he's never played football before. It's the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing ever. Um, but you do have you know there's some bright side to the offense a little bit. Um, Latavius Murray is, is startable, you know, move, moving forward as long as he's getting the role that he's getting. Only 10.8 fantasy points, only one catch, but uh, he'll fall into the end zone enough times to, to, to be uh, kind of an RB3 flex type guy. Sutton, usual, usual Sutton game, you know, acrobatic catches all, all over the place, you know, no, no touchdowns again, you know, he's 14 points every single 12 to 14 every single week. And I was hoping to get Judy back this week, but you know, not even excited to start Judy in this offense. It's so so bad. It's like, but maybe with the week fourteen buys, you'll be you'll be looking to do that. But it's just the offense just stinks overall, and you're definitely not starting Russell Wilson. 
Yeah, kind of a surprisingly low touch count for Latavius Murray. 13 carries, one target in that one, but did dominate backfield playing time. 49 snaps for him. 10 combined for Marlon Mack and Divino Zigbo. We might get Mike Boone back for the week 13 game against Baltimore. He's worth stashing in spots where you have, you know, in leagues where you have enough room to do so. I'll be curious to see what the work split is between him and Murray once he's back. Certainly assuming that Murray is the leader in touches, but we'll, we'll see how much of a split there is. Chase Edmonds, of course, is on IR, so he's not likely to be a factor again this season. You mentioned Cortland Sutton fine in that game. Greg Dulcich, again, playing time was fine. Target count was not. Um, it's, it's one of those things where you can keep saying, you know, by the process, you play a tight end that's running that many routes, but if it keeps not working, I, I blame the offense overall, but if it keeps not working, we got to look for different answers here. So I think I'm going to be adjusting my expectation for Greg Dulcich next week. Yeah, and I think he had a touchdown too, called called back on a penalty uh, in the back of the end zone. So again, with guys that in the Dulcich range, the tight end two range, you're just looking to, to hopefully get, get a touchdown out, out of them. Uh, we did have Cortland Sutton, Kendall Hinton, and Brandon Johnson in three wide receiver sets. So they were the top three for the team in routes. So they were running Brandon Johnson more often than Greg Dulcich, which doesn't help the target count at all. On the Panthers' side, Sam Darnold, 164 yards and a touchdown passing, rolled a touchdown in from two yards out. So you love to see that. Obviously, Sam Darnold, one of the best touchdown rollers that I've ever seen. He targeted DJ Moore, more importantly, on six of his 19 pass attempts in the volume could use some work, but that's a 31.6% share. So Sam Darnold got in there and he threw the ball to DJ Moore. That's really all we're asking him to do. Yeah, that touchdown, that rushing distance from Darnold was so weird. It was like a read option. He runs up the middle, slips and falls, gets up and just, or not even gets up, like rolls, like the defensive player runs, runs, like, like jumps over the top of him thinking he's down. It was like so stupid, but it was a touchdown. Hey, it counts for whoever started him. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was DJ Moore again, you know, DJ Moore is basically good with every quarterback except for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's not tall enough to get it over the line to, to DJ Moore. So good for him. Uh, get, getting rolling there. Um, you know, still didn't see a ton of targets, six, six targets, but they, you know, they ran the ball a ton in this, this game, you know, Foreman had 24 carries, Chuba Hubbard had 17 carries. So this was, this was just a wild kind of, situation here that they ran the ball 70% of the time. So, you know, if the fact that DJ Moore did what he did when they only threw the ball 30% of the time is saying something. So uh, continue to roll him out as long as, you know, um, Baker Mayfield's not his, his quarterback. We're rolling out with DJ Moore. Foreman looked awesome. Looked really, really good. 24 carries, 113 yards, but no catches, no touchdown, no targets even. So it's like, again, that's all that matters. The, the thing that matters for these for running backs are, are you getting touchdowns? Are you getting catches and, and, and targets? And it's like you have a monster game like, like he had, and he only gets you 11 fantasy points. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the limitation to him. Going to be touchdown dependent. They have a bye in week 13. Then they're at Seattle, which looks like a good rushing spot. We'll talk about what Josh Jacobs did to them in a little bit. Two weeks after that, they had the Lions in week 16. So there's room for Deontay Foreman to help you. Certainly going to help more when he finds the end zone. Um, and did remain ahead of Chuba Hubbard, even though there were plenty of carries for both of those guys. Browns 23-17 over the Bucks and OT. The Bucks leaned back toward the pass in this one before their bye. In that win in Germany over the Seahawks, they leaned a lot more run than they have for most of the season. But this game saw them back to throwing the ball on two-thirds of offensive snaps. 
didn't go great. Tom Brady, just 5.7 yards per attempt against a non-scary Browns defense, did hit Chris Godwin and co-keefed for touchdowns. I think we've all been waiting for that one to come. Chris <laughs> Godwin hit 100 yards for the first time this year. Mike Evans, just two catches among nine targets. Co-keefed broke the slate. He broke the DFS slate yesterday. Unbelievable. One catch for five yards and a touchdown. But, yeah, Brady, it's just one of those games where – you know, Brady didn't look in sync. You know, the offense didn't look great. Um, Evans, two catches for, for 31 yards. Wasn't getting open either. Like, they, they they tried going to him. He had nine targets. But it's like every time they went to go to him, it was, it was a deep ball that he just was was completely covered on. Evans kind of – I want to say he looks banged up, but he, he's kind of looking he's, – he's looking old out there. He's run so many deep routes over his career, and it's just like I feel like he doesn't get that separation that he used to. I hate to say it about my guy, Hall of Famer Mike Evans, but uh, it might be the Godwin show – Moving forward here, 12 catches for 110 yards and a touchdown. And you could tell, um, you know, Brady was going to him. They were they were in sync. Brady Brady was trusting him. And they obviously have a couple of years of weren't working together. But for 13 targets, a touchdown. Got him now. He's, what, three touchdowns in the last two games after not, not, not being able to score. So good for him. We're obviously excited to start. Got him moving forward. But the passing game, uh, even though Brady threw for 250 and two, it just didn't seem like it was it was, it was really going today. Yeah, I mean, yes, you know, right. weather might have been a factor. It wasn't pouring by game time, but it was a wet day. They have the Saints coming up. Saints have been a tough matchup for Brady since he's been up. Yep. So we shouldn't expect a, a huge breakout game there, but it's not a scary matchup in itself. They're at the 49ers after that, then uh, home for the Bengals. So it, it could be an easier slate, but uh, there's room for production. Rashad White dominated backfield work with Leonard Fournette out for this game, 14 of the 18 running back carries against the Browns, nine targets tied for second on the team, caught all nine of them for 45 yards. So it wasn't a great game in terms of efficiency or production, but he certainly got there for us in PPR. Yeah, got there for us PPR. This is what you've been holding on to Rashad White. He got there for you, right? You wanted him. Uh, nine carries for 45 yards, looked good. Um, you know, 64 yards rushing, didn't get the touchdown, but still got there fantasy wise around to 20 fantasy points. So, I mean, um, you know, nine targets is just in incredible usage for a running back. Again, that's what we're, that's what we're looking for. Um, you know, he didn't look like anything super. I mean, I think his first carry went for one of his first carries went for 20 yards. It was a massive hole on, on the left. I think they just lost, they just lost a lineman for three yeah. to four weeks. Now I just saw. Yeah, Worfs is out for, for a while. So, again, that doesn't help. Obviously, Leonard Fournette will be coming back. Even So even if you only got Rashad White like this for one week, hopefully he got you into your into your uh, high-stakes fantasy playoffs with this performance. But talking about the Bucks, Matt, you were referencing them against the Saints. What I know this isn't a, a, a preview show, but what are we doing? Like, I wouldn't hesitate to bench. We're probably going to get Lattimore. If, if Lattimore's back, I would not hesitate to bench Mike Evans and Tom Brady against them. Evans just never does anything against Lattimore ever, and Brady really struggles against them. So if you got a big fantasy matchup, I, I think it would be okay to bench them both. I definitely think it is within reason. Um, like you said, Tom Brady's struggled against the Saints. We should get Marshawn Lattimore back for this game. Tom Brady's been around the bottom of QB1 territory in our weekly rankings as it is. So we're already talking about a QB right. who's like 11, 12, 13, somewhere around there and hasn't been producing. You know, we've been waiting for the positive touchdown regression. We've gotten some of that the past two games. But like I said, 5.7 yards per pass attempt is not good. So you're going to need to throw over 40 passes to be – effective at that level and if you're not if you're still not putting up huge numbers then there's obviously some risk if the volume comes in a little below that and if you have a couple turnovers 
Yeah, exactly. It's just it it just really depends on who you're. I was just gonna do a little DJ Moore, Mike Evans comparison. Like, hey, would you start Evans or DJ Moore? I'm like, oh, DJ Moore's gonna buy, <laughs> but he still might score as many points as uh, as Mike Evans against Marshawn Lattimore. To your point, Mike Evans against the Saints has not caught more than four passes in a game against the Saints since Week One of 2018. Yeah, and it, yeah, exactly. So. Hey, if you got better options, feel free to go, go, or even options that are in the same range. Feel free to, to, to bench Mike Evans. We will see where Mike Evans settles in our week 13 rankings. Those will come up in the middle of the day. Tuesday um, might be a point of discussion where Mike Evans sits on the Brown side of this one. Nick Chubb, 26 carries to Kareem Hunt's five 116 yards. So Nick Chubb has not been a regular uh, 20 carry guy for us in recent weeks, but got there yesterday, certainly working clearly ahead of Kareem hunt has another good matchup coming up with Houston next week. So obviously Nick Chubb is in lineups in most cases. It's nice to see him get that kind of production and that kind of gap ahead of Kareem hunt and work. Yeah. Yeah. Kareem hunt looks like he's shot. I mean, he hasn't looked good all year. The numbers say he hasn't been efficient, Five carries for 15 yards. I mean, he just doesn't, he doesn't make anybody miss. He doesn't look explosive. He, I, he looks like he's washed to me. And that might be why the, you know, the Browns could, couldn't trade him uh, at, at, at the trade deadline, but yeah, nice, nice gap there. Chubb between Chubb and hunt um, 116 yards and a touchdown for Chubb. So um, yeah, I mean, it's the same usual suspects here. You're going to, you're going to start Chubb. Um, the passing game was spread around. Amari Cooper got, got his. In Joku, nice to see him get seven targets. That's the seven or eight targets here. Um, you know, I I, I should have started him. I started George Kittle over him in two big leagues this 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 weekend. Uh, and Joku really didn't get there till the end. He had like a nice one handed touchdown in the back of the end zone at the, at the end of the game. Um, but um, other than that, his his average catch was five point eight yards a catch. It was all low A dot stuff. Hopefully that that changes with Deshaun Watson coming back. But um, but yeah, Joku looks as far as like a usage a usage perspective. I think you could start him comfortably moving forward. Yeah, we were waiting for him to reclaim the top job. Did that in this game. Finished second on the team in targets. So that matters to me more than the short yardage on his receptions, which, you know, as we said, was a wet day, probably affected the length of those plays to some degree. Amari Cooper, 32% of targets made up for a a drop with a long catch to set up the game winning touchdown in overtime. So yeah, all these guys should get a boost from Deshaun Watson returning. We're expecting him to play in week 13. Jaguars 28 Ravens 27 on the Baltimore side. First Mark Andrews disappointing. And he was even with Josh Oliver and targets and catches for this game still ran routes on almost all of the dropbacks. 35 of Lamar Jackson's 37 dropbacks led the team in routes. So there's not a worrisome takeaway from Mark Andrews here. It's not like this is why you need to be concerned. It's just, this was a goofy game. It was basically Josh Oliver taking all of his own stuff from the usual games plus Isaiah Likely's playing time and just got lucky with opportunities. Yeah, yeah, and Andrews dropped a wide-open touchdown. This is the second or third time he's done that this year, dropped a wide-open touchdown in the end zone, which severely affects Lamar's uh, Lamar scoring there. And, and, in fact, it was on the same drive <coughs> Excuse me, where Lamar scores from, from, from the one. They call him short. Fine. He comes back, throws a touchdown pass to Mark Andrews. No, he drops it. It's like, oh, okay. And then here comes good That's Gus Boss. Gus Boss, naturally. Guy can't do anything. Just plods his way. It falls into the end zone for, for a touchdown. And I had, it was funny, I had Lamar going 
And like, oh, of course, he didn't score a touchdown. I'm like, you know what would be even better? I said it loud to my kids. I was like, you know what? I would rather have a Lamar to Mark Andrews touchdown pass anyways. Touchdown pass to Mark Clang. I'm like, oh, okay. What a day. Well, what a day. But Lamar just doesn't – he doesn't look the same. I don't want to say he doesn't look right because he looks – he looks right. Like it's not his fault that he has no weapons. It's not his fault that Mark Andrews is dropping touchdowns. He just doesn't look as explosive as he used to be. Like I know he had a, a, a bunch of rushing yards. I'm sorry to see what he had here. He had uh, 89 rushing yards on 14 carries. But there were times where he had a ton of space in front of him and decided to throw the ball into, you know, Devin Duvernay with a guy all over him. Situations like that where he just doesn't look as explosive as it used to be, I don't know. Maybe he's just not running as much this year because he's trying to get paid and doesn't want to get hurt. And I totally get that. Um, and he did get there fantasy wise today, 200 yesterday, 250 passing yards, a passing score and a bunch of rushing yards. But um, I just feel like he's just not going to be that guy the rest of the year when he doesn't have the, the weapons. So there's some other guys you're going to want to start over him down the stretch, but he does have that massive up, upside as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as far as Gus Edwards goes, though, and we've talked about Lamar Jackson's downside, what he's been doing since Rashad Bateman went down. It's definitely been worse, and that's definitely affecting the offense on whole. In the backfield, though, Gus Edwards, in addition to plotting for a touchdown, 84% of the running back carries in this one. Um, did, he shared the passing work with Kenyon Drake and Justice Hill, but didn't really lose that stuff to them they didn't get much one total target for Kenyon drake plus justice hill so gus edwards right back to being the leader of this backfield which he has been now in each of his two games and this game was even more so him in the lead than his first return this season so gus edwards when he's on the field looks like baltimore's lead running back and that certainly makes him worth rostering and considering for lineups going forward absolutely if you got gus edwards you're want you're going to want to start him moving forward um you know, Dobbins has got to be available to come back soon if they even bring him back this year. But again, like Kenyon Drake has looked better this year than Gus Edwards has ever looked. And, and naturally, Kenyon Drake gets no touches. He gets one target, you know, two carries for two yards. Like it just, it just makes sense that Gus Edwards would get everything coming back when Kenyon Drake has had such a, a pretty explosive year for kind of what we we're expecting out of him. So, um, but yeah, yeah, you're not starting Drake while Gus Edwards is, is around and you're going to want to start Gus Edwards, especially in, in games where uh, they're going to be high scoring or games that they're projected to, to win, which is almost every game, but they always find a way to lose. <laughs> <laughs> On the Jacksonville side, Zay Jones had a career best game, his top marks ever in targets, catches and yards added the game winning two point conversion at the end. He's been usable for most of the season. So I think the takeaway here is not look how good Zay Jones is. It's rather don't overrate this game and now treat Zay Jones like he's a must start just because you saw him put up monster numbers. He still has one touchdown all year. He has cracked 70 yards only twice. So usable, not a must. And it certainly helps Zay Jones going forward. The Trevor Lawrence is playing better lately than he was before. Three straight games where he's just been good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, Jones is not a must. Um, he got 32% of the target share. Um, but yeah, it's, it feel like it's always someone different every single week with the, with the, with these Jaguars, right? They're, they're usually spreading the ball around, um, week to week. You know, this week was say Jones. It's been Christian Kirk a ton. It's even been Evan Ingram a bunch. <clears throat> Speaking of Evan, Evan Ingram, very disappointing week for him. They had, he had one target 
and a team that is, um, you know, that's 11th best. The Ravens are 11 are the 11th best matchup for, for tight ends. I thought Evan Ingram with a ton more work in this one target was, was out there 35 routes. He ran, which is third on the team behind, behind the top two receivers there. So they just, he just never looked at him. Even at the goal line, he's throwing to running backs on swing passes for touchdowns. So Ingram just was not in the game plan. Yeah. Was not throwing to Travis Etienne, of course, because Etienne left early with a foot injury he said afterward he expected to be ready for week 13. Doug Peterson said today that ETN was cleared to return to that game against Baltimore, but that he didn't want to risk further injury. So we'll see. We are expecting Travis ETN to be ready for week 13. Um, and we'll watch this week to confirm. Jermichael Hasty took over the job in his stead. Didn't get much on the ground. Baltimore has been a tough run defense, number two now on the season in Football Outsiders DVOA. It's not surprising that he couldn't run very well, but five catches for 67 yards and a touchdown here. I think it's certainly worth, as we wait to confirm ETN being okay, it's worth grabbing Jermichael Hasty in plenty of spots. Also worth considering Daryl Henderson, who is going to cost a lot less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jermichael Hasty looked good in, in the passing game. Running backs are always worth worth adding here right so he was he looked good in the passing game didn't look so good in the rushing game 12 for 28 um but it's fine we, we'd rather have him be good in the passing game like you said um henderson henderson's there he will have a role i think going forward but again if if there's an assist severious severious serious injury to uh travis etn so yeah, I mean, I think ETN will be fine to, to, to come back, but you still want to add, add Hasty because it just kind of goes to show you uh, we're just an injury away from a guy uh, being fantasy startable. But Henderson, if you did cut him after he got cut, um, he's he's worth adding. I thought you were starting a key and peel sketch there for a minute. <laughs> Severious mecosiousness. That's right. <laughs> All these Jaguars get the Lions and Titans the next two weeks. So a couple of potentially good spots for Trevor Lawrence in particular. I'm going to be deciding whether to start Trevor Lawrence or Lamar Jackson in my football guys championship lineup against our pal Mike Shope next week. And I got to say my early lean is Trevor Lawrence against the Lions over Lamar Jackson against the Broncos. Listen, he's a big he's a big Lamar Jackson fan. So I don't know whether you want to beat him without him or beat him with him. So um, I just want to beat him. That's all right. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> and listen, if you get a big lead on him and it's over, feel free to bench one of those quarterbacks just to show up Mike at the end there. That's what Noah Crowers would do. <laughs> nice. <Bring it> along <laughs> nicely. Dolphins 30 to 15 over the Texans in a game where I think they just coasted for like three quarters of it because it was about five. I think I blinked twice and the Dolphins were up 30 to nothing. And then they just decided to stop scoring for the day. Jeff Wilson Jr. Big letdown for me. 13 carries, 39 yards. Thank goodness he scored a touchdown. I know he left with an injury at one point, but did return. Wound up playing more than 60% of the snaps. So he should be fine going forward. We'll see about Raheem Mostert for next week. The Dolphins, though, just two offensive touchdowns in this game. I thought that we were just ready to put up, I don't know, 50 points in this game. And then it just stopped. Yeah. They took out the starters in like the middle of the third quarter. And then, you know, the the Texans started to creep back a little bit in this game, but it was a yeah, kind of a disappointing game for everybody. I mean, Wilson had a, had a beautiful matchup without Raheem, Raheem Mostert here. He did get a touchdown, but only had 13 fantasy points with a touchdown, you know, subbed out in the game late due to, due to a score. He was also cramping these dolphins, all these players are always cramping down there. I mean, I know, I know it's hot and all that. We think, think they'd be used to it. Tyree Kill, I get updates on my phone five times a week. The Tyree Tyree Kill, you know, uh, questionable return with cramping or whatever it is. It's like okay, well, whatever. Get him one of those little gogurt type things that they like to have on the sideline, or that yeah, that's right. Little, 
like you know fruit squirters that Mahomes Something. has after a touchdown. Let's go! Come on, they got it. They got to have this under wraps. <laughs> yeah, on- they got they, they got to have something. I mean, he's probably. I mean, the guy's running all all over the place. Um, I but- can't. I, you know, I I can't fault him. I wouldn't want to be doing anything physical in Miami at any point in the year. Yeah, no, me. I, I wouldn't want to do anything in the fall like that. Any <laughs> any 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 point of the year, but um. Uh, but yeah, you're still st- obviously you're starting Waddle, you're starting Tyreek. It was just kind of an unlucky, disappointing game for them to uh, to not crush the Texans. I think the most worrisome thing from this game is Damian Pierce. Little yeah. chance in this particular contest, eight yards on five carries, but it's his second straight game with just eight rushing yards. He had 17 total receiving yards in those two games as well. So the offense is undoubtedly hurting him. Now, I have some relative good news here, Adam, because. After the two straight eight yard games, I was like, let's look at what the how many guys he's facing in the box, how often he's facing eight in the box, you know, stacked boxes to stop him from running. And it's not nearly as much as you would think. I looked at the at the NFL next gen stats and he's just not high in those stacked box rankings, like how often he's facing those on running play where he's hurting is that he hasn't fared well on yards before contact. So the right. offensive line's not doing him any favors. I still think that means when they get weaker matchups on defense, there's room. I don't think that Damian Pierce is going to land in RB1 territory for me this coming week against Cleveland, which has been a weak run defense. I think it's going to be tough still to push him outside of RB2 territory, though, even coming off of these two bad games. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think he had less than a yard before contact in this game, Now, he only, which is terrible. Um, now he only had eight yards total. So, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's going to be hard to sit him when he's like the whole offense. Although cook showed up a little bit today. Aikens had a nice touchdown in 61 yards today, but yeah, Pierce is going to be tough to sit with all the bye weeks without, without, with all the injuries. You know, he was involved um, a little bit in the passing game. He, he did get six targets, three catches on six targets is terrible for, for a running back. I didn't, I don't see if he had any drops or anything, but, um, and then he only got eight yards on those three catches. So those just sound like terribly set up screens, but, um, but yeah, hopefully if he, I mean, if he can continue to get those eight targets or sorry, there's six targets, uh, he'll be fine. And then he'll, he'll obviously get more than eight yards. And and they also, they, uh, dialed him down at the end of this game too. Cause it was, it was a blowout. Um, uh, you know, Ogumba Wale was getting involved there at the end. So, uh, Pierce will have better, better games ahead. Hopefully. Rex Burke had left this one with a head injury, which is, I always find funny that they call it a head injury instead of a concussion. So I don't know if the concussion has been confirmed, but if he's out, that should help the target outlook for Damian Pierce. You know, like I said, probably still going to land in RB2 territory, but we should definitely be more cautious than we thought we would be just a couple weeks ago um, with his usage. Tight end needy teams, I think, should should take note that Jordan Aikens has seen increased playing time over the past three weeks. He did top four targets for just the first time all season in this game against Miami. It was his first game of the year with more than three catches, but third time that he's reached 60 receiving yards, including two of the past three games. So I'm not saying that Jordan Aikens is coming along to save anybody's tight end situation, but if you're needy and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do this coming week, Jordan Akins is at least an option. Yeah, exactly. I was hoping he would have a better week last week. Um, I was forced to start him a bunch there with injuries and bye weeks and stuff, but uh, I still held on to him a little, little bit and had to start him uh, a little a couple spots this week, five for 61 and a touchdown for those tight end premium leagues, man, five catches or a touchdown is big. And he, he got both. Um, 12 yards of catch had a great, this, his touchdown was great. Nice catch and run 
Um, so, um, yeah, he, he could be a starting, uh, starting tight end for you moving forward. He's certainly better moving forward than Mike Gusecki. You're all right, Matt. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he is an athletic guy though. It does have that uh, potential to turn a catch into a longer play or catch downfield stuff that a lot of tight ends don't. So we'll see about him. We'll move on now though, to jets 31 bears 10 and Mike white, your new leader in the MVP voting 22, 28 <laughs> passing 315 yards, three touchdowns, only one sack, zero turnovers. Brought Garrett Wilson back to life for us. Five for 95 and two touchdowns on eight targets. No other Jet saw more than three targets in this game. Elijah Moore found the end zone. Added a 42-yard catch as well. Still checked in just fifth among Jets in routes behind two wideouts as well as the team's top two tight ends, though. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So Elijah Moore, with like you said, two for 64 and a touchdown. He only saw... Two, two, two targets so that's not great but just it's showing awesome you what, efficiency though it's showing what he could do what imagine if they threw him the ball 10 times elite efficiency <laughs> coming from my guy elijah there um and his touchdown was nice to a deep out on third down for, for the touchdown caught that seven percent target share is not gonna cut it though <laughs> P- pretty awful but uh but hey he's showing some signs there it's nice to see you know, uh, Mike White season. I, I didn't want to lose a chance. I didn't want to lose an opportunity to say Zach Wilson stinks, even though he didn't play. Just this, just this, just goes to show you that he's the third best quarterback on their team. Um, uh, but yeah, Mike Mike White getting the ball to the guys that need to be that need to get got in this uh, in this offense. Wilson, awesome game, twenty nine percent target share. Uh, made a guy miss for a nice, incredible fifty four yard touchdown catch catch and run. So he's awesome. You can start him confidently moving forward. Um, when you got Mike White at quarterback, and hopefully people, some people were able to pick up Elijah Moore, even though we only had the two targets, it's a good sign when moving forward. He was he was caught in a bunch of leagues maybe about about a month ago, and I remember I was talking about like, hey, maybe you know, let's pick him up. Maybe we get a new quarterback. We we got a new quarterback, so he might be uh, a stash on the roster for you moving forward. Yeah, he looks like a roster clogger to me in redraft. He's still <laughs> the third wideout and fifth jet in routes. Uh, I'm not counting on him getting in there this year, but it's at least nice to be reminded that he's still alive. I think the biggest takeaway, certainly competent quarterbacking helped, but the biggest takeaway from this matchup is the Bears defense is absolutely awful right now. From our pal Lord Reeves on Twitter this morning, Rich Rebar of Sharp Football. These are the stats for the Bears defense over the past five weeks. Worst in the league in points allowed per drive. Worst in percentage of drives that end in a touchdown. Worst in yards allowed per play. Worst in sack rate. Worst in yards per pass attempt. Second worst in completion rate. So Mike White, yay. But more so going forward, start guys where possible against this Bears defense. Yeah, it sounds like the Bears defense is pretty uh pretty awful. They get Green Bay next week and then and then a bye. And then for the for the big race, Philly, Buffalo, Detroit. Those three offenses you're looking to clean up against the Bears uh in your fan in your fantasy playoffs. So that that'll be good. I mean the Bears defense is so bad. They even put they put Zonovan Knight, Bam, Bam Zonovan Knight on the on the, on the on the fantasy radar, he had his first first touch was a catch, seventeen yard gain, made two guys miss. Um, but he I mean, he showed decent. I want to say he showed decent vision during the game, but that's because the holes were so were so, were so big. Um, he he was bouncing off tacklers. James Robinson was it was a healthy scratch for Z- for Zonovan Knight, so it might be a three man committee now with Michael Carter hurts probably out. Is it a high ankle or just a regular ankle sprain? I, I don't know. Last I saw was that it was likely an ankle sprain. I didn't see higher. Okay. But 
Uh, so he's probably going to be out for a little, a little bit of time. Zonovan Knight, absolutely worth, worth adding, worth the time of year where any running back who has any shot here. Uh, and listen, they, they scratched James Robinson for, for, for a reason. They wanted to get this, see what this guy's made of. So I'm adding Zonovan Knight for, for sure. James Robinson, obviously still worth rostering. And then Ty Johnson, every year, I feel like every year at this time of year, he always shows up at like, fantasy high stakes playoff time where there's an injury and he always sneaks in. He had a great 30 yard rushing touchdown. Um, but, but again, the bears defense is pretty, pretty bad, but uh, all these guys are worth kind of rostering with uh, Michael Carter out because, you know, the jets are, are winning, are winning football games. They're in, they're in the playoff hunt. Like they're not, they're not punting this season away. So look for them to get uh, whoever they think can score them touchdowns out, of, out on the field. And worth noting that Ty Johnson played behind Zonovan Knight after yes. Michael Carter went down in this game. So yep. order them that way if you're looking at these guys on waivers this week. The next few games for them, they're at Minnesota next week, at Buffalo after that, then home for Detroit and Jacksonville. We'll see about the prognosis on uh, Michael Carter and his expected return timeline. More bad news on the Bears side besides their defense being awful. Darnell Mooney is expected to miss the rest of the season with torn ligaments in his left ankle. So Chase Claypool led Bears wide receivers in routes in the game against the Jets on Sunday. Once they have a quarterback again, that should matter. After him, Byron Pringle, Dante Pettis, Equinemia St. Brown. That's how they were ordered in routes. So I would look at Chase Claypool. I would try not to look at the other guys. And we'll see about Justin Fields' return. We'll see if he's going to be back for week 13. I wonder, though, Adam, whether the fact that the team is now three and nine and facing a week 14 bye, I wonder if that factors into whether Justin Fields returns for week 13. Yeah, I think it does. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of fancy teams out there with Fields that was smashing for them. But yeah, I think if I had to guess, he would sit this week um, and then have the bye and then and then c- come back. Um, but uh, but yeah, like you said, Ch- Chase Claypool. It's going to be the lead dog there now, I think, in the passing game because Mooney is out for, for the year. Um, kudos to Claypool playing through all those Sauce Gardner pass interference calls that weren't called. He got one. He got They actually called a pass interference on Sauce Gardner yesterday. Incredible. Uh, but, yeah, Claypool two for 51. Um, we were going to need more than two catches uh, from him go, going forward. And, again, it's not even like – He's the best receiver on the team, probably, but it's again, it's not, it's not an offense that you really want to be buying into. It's not a guy that you're going to be. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he's not available in waivers, but he's not a guy you're going to be even dying to get into your lineup. Yeah, it's somebody to stash where it's a possibility, and definitely not somebody that's a must stash. Two catches yesterday, five targets. I'm going to need to see a good game from him before I'm putting him into a lineup. They're playing Green Bay uh, this coming week. Anything else from that game? Nope. Bengals 20, Titans 16. The biggest issue for me from this one, Adam, is Derrick Henry's rushing. 38 yards on 17 carries against the Bengals. Third straight game for him with 3.1 yards per carry or less. And those came against the Bengals, Packers, and Broncos, who currently sit 16th, 29th, and 18th in run defense DVOA rankings on Football Outsiders. So it's not like he just ran into several straight tough run defenses. It's Three teams that shouldn't be that big an obstacle stopping Derrick Henry on the ground. Philly and Jacksonville the next two weeks. Neither of those defenses have been particularly tough against the run. But again, if it's just that Tennessee can't get Derrick Henry going, then the opponent might not matter so much. <laughs> that that all said, I'm not sure what we can do about that. You can't really sit Derrick Henry at this point in the season. No. Yeah, no, you're not you're not sitting Derrick Henry. 
Um, but again, it might just be as he's old, he's banged up. He's old for a running back. He's banged up. Like, like he's just, he could be wearing down. Like this is kind of something that was in his range of outcomes, you know, 17 carries for 38 yards. Not good. You know, kudos to them at least for getting him involved in the passing game to get him out in space. Three catches for 79 yards should have been like three for 85 and a touchdown, but he fumbled at the three yard line or five or whatever it was. Yeah, it was like the three yard line. He got stripped, and then Traylon Burks is Traylon there for Burks. the touchdown. Traylon Burks, what a what a what a roller coaster! I started Traylon in a couple leagues this week, so I was excited. But then I was also playing against him in like a five k. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? If I lose this game by six points, oh my gosh! But yeah, no. And that was, was that Traylon's first career touchdown, a fumble like recovery. Sure. <laughs> I think it is. I think it's his first touchdown. But kudos for Burks being down there blocking for, for the big dog. But yeah, you're 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 not benching Henry. Um, but, um, Hey, let's get Traylon Burks more involved in this passing game. Six, six targets, four catches, 70 yards. They're getting him more involved. His route rate is going up. His target percentage is go, going up and he looks good doing it. So hopefully we might get a, uh, uh, an explosion here from Burks over the next, next couple of weeks. That was his first touchdown. It's his third straight game since coming back with at least six targets. So we like the usage there. Um, love it if he can steal other people's touchdowns anytime that happens. He's the one that you're looking to use potentially. Not a must use, but certainly him over Robert Woods, over Nick Westbrook, Akine. And even on the Derrick Henry front, <clears throat> like I said, got there yardage-wise yesterday. Not losing the fumble would have helped. But the schedule is still yeah. second best remaining for running backs the rest of the way by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. So there's room for a rebound from Derrick Henry. Yeah, I was just about to say that he gets uh, Houston week 16. Incredible. Chargers week 15. Awesome. Um, and even leading up to that, Philly's neutral. Jacksonville is, is, is a positive, a slightly positive matchup. So. And he always he just owned, he's owned Jacksonville for eight years already. You're not benching Derrick Henry against Jacksonville, so yeah, just start him moving forward. He'll he'll, he'll get back on track if he could stay healthy. You know, they they want him to to, to be involved heavily, so uh, it shouldn't be a problem. But you just might not get those big thirty to forty point outings that you're uh, that you're kind of used to. Bengals offense did what what was expected in this one. Not particularly efficient running or passing, but the Tennessee defense has been good in recent weeks, especially. Nice game for T. Higgins. Nice game for Hayden Hurst. They're really, no matter what people tell you, and you'll hear it, but there hasn't been a real difference in Hayden Hurst's role or opportunities in the four games that Jamar Chase has missed so far. So I don't think the Jamar Chase expected return in week 13 has any real impact either way. Obviously, it you know Hayden Hurst made out target-wise in this one, but that hasn't been a consistent thing over the past four weeks. We got Samaje Pirine taking over Joe Mixon's role with Joe Mixon out for this game. Chris Evans, I don't think exists anymore because Travion Williams was the number two running back in this game. Yeah, no. Tra- yeah, I mean, uh, Pirine was, it was great to see what he he did yesterday. Um, he only averaged three and a half yards of carry, but he got, he, he got in the end zone. He was heavily involved in the passing game, which, which was, was n- nice to see um, 80% of the snaps for P Ryan. And it was nice that it paid off against a tough defense. I struggled to start him in some leagues because it's like, you know, I've been holding on to P Ryan all year for a, for a situation like this. I think we talked about it last week. It's like, yeah, well, are we going to start him against the Titans? And um, hopefully you guys did because 
He ended up paying off, stuck in for a touchdown, got seven targets, which is awesome. I was a little bit disappointed. I don't want to sound like I'm nitpicking, but he had 16 points in the first half, 16 fantasy points. I'm like, oh, baby, let's go. He only finished with 19, but that's because my boy T. Higgins was going off in the second half. This is the second week in a row where Higgins has started slow. He had a a drop in a a 25-yard play in the first half. Um, Then they come out in halftime, and they're just feeding um, feeding big T Higgins. So, and he um, had like a 21 yard catch called back by a holding penalty. Yes. Or an offensive pass interference. Yeah. Yeah. He did. He did. So, um, so yeah, good, good, good for him to kind of get, get going there. Um, both of those guys were able to be, to, to, to be startable. So, um, and I, right now I'm trying to look ahead here to see, is this chiefs? Uh, how is this chiefs Bengals game? Not a primetime game. It's a four o'clock next week, but I'm hoping for Jamar chases back. Let's get an absolute explosion. Yeah. And similar to Hayden Hurst, I don't think that T Higgins is downgraded for Jamar Chase being expected back. I would certainly still comfortably start T Higgins for this one. And obviously you don't want to mess around with um, Chiefs Bengals in primetime. We can get the Colts and the Saints Bucks in those two slots. Of course. Gotta have, gotta have that. Hey, don't forget Bill's Patriots to the Thursday night. Okay. Don't forget that one. There you go. <laughs> Commanders 19, Falcons 13. Brian Robinson moved back ahead of Antonio Gibson as a runner for this one. It was the other way the week before against Houston. Robinson got his first 100-yard game of his career, his first time all year where he topped 3.8 yards per rush. His second-best game in that category came last week against Houston. So it's nice to see Brian Robinson do this. He also caught a touchdown pass. I would chalk all of this up to that Atlanta matchup rather than saying, ah, oh, Brian Robinson finally broke out. Now I'm going to use him going forward. Yeah. Robinson has said, like, no one has been more like, oh, Brian Robinson than me. You just watch him play. He's just terrible. But he's a guy that I would bet excited. Like last week, I think it was the Texans. This week was Atlanta. You just couldn't get these guys out of your lineup. There were There was a lineup yesterday, a high stakes lineup I had where I started Robinson and Antonio Gibson because I knew they just wanted to get the running backs involved. They ended up you know, Gibson didn't have a great game, but the both of them combined, uh, it was a, it was a zero RB team. So it's like, if I can get, you know, 25, 30 points combined for my two running backs, even though the, the ceiling isn't this high, but Robinson, you know, like you said, 105 rushing yards, catch and run for two catches for 20 yards of touchdown. It was a nice play too. He made some, made some guys miss kind of got in there at the end, uh, with two defenders down there at the, the goal line. So he did look good on that, uh, out, out in space there. But uh, the backfield, like you said, it's been it's been Brian Robinson getting the carries. Uh, I wish Gibson would have got a little bit more involved, but they got you know, four carries for Curtis Samuel, four carries for Jonathan Williams. That was frustrating to see Jonathan Williams getting involved uh, for no reason whatsoever. But um, but yeah, you're still gonna like Gibson moving forward because of his role in the passing game. Yeah, it's certainly still leaning uh, Gibson there. Let me. I don't have down who they're playing the next few weeks. So they've got the Giants up next. That's right. They got the Giants, then the bye, then the Giants again, which I don't know why the schedule. <laughs> this, this is the kind of matchup that I don't think will be good for Brian Robinson. I think will be better for Antonio Gibson because the place that the Giants are solid to good is that interior offensive line. They have big dudes up front right in the space where Brian Robinson should be looking to run. So I, I would expect that he'll show up somewhere outside our top 24 for next week, and then we'll see how that one goes before we project week 15. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, that's the thing. Like they've been aiming these these teams that even if they're losing, the games are close enough where they're going to continue to keep Brian Robinson involved. And I just think, like you said, you get some tough run defenses like the Giants are tougher. They're kind of middle of the pack. But then, you know, you get them out there uh, in games where they're not going to be winning. It's like, you know, you might not – he might disappear. 
Yeah. It probably at least will be a low scoring game here where they sure. where the Giants aren't likely to run away Correct. and Washington can run. You know, like you said, they went run heavy again in this one. Twenty three pass attempts versus thirty seven runs against the Falcons on the Atlanta side. It was the first game since Kyle Pitts hit IR. Alameda Zacchaeus, of course, the only Falcon with more than three catches in this game. Drake London led the team in routes, got four targets, caught two balls for 29 yards. So it continues to be an offense that defies usage. The positive I'll end on Cordero Patterson did split the rushing evenly with Tyler Algier. We'd love to see more carries for Patterson, but he got targets back five targets matched his season high from all the way back in week one. And on in the six games between those two, obviously he spent a stint on IR as well, but the six games in between totaled six targets. So I hope that we're going to keep seeing this level of targeting for Cordero Patterson going forward. Yeah, he's going to need it because Patterson uh, has been splitting with Algier the last three weeks. You know, that's the that's the Arthur Smith effect. London, four targets. Arthur Smith effect. You know, um, CPAT did have a carry inside the five yard line. Didn't really come close to scoring. Um, and also the pick at the end at the end of the game. Uh, well, the drive before the end of the game, um, the interception was intended for Patterson at the, at the goal line. So they were targeting him there. Pruitt gets a touchdown naturally just to rub it in off Kyle Pitts face. Um, but yeah, so it's just, you you, don't, you can't really start anybody in this offense except for Cordero Patterson. Does Michael Pruitt have more touchdowns this year than Kyle yes. Pitts? He yes. probably does, right? Pruitt's got at least two. Oh, they each have two. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Naturally. Oh man. Oh, what a fun team to play offense. <laughs> you ready to move on to another game? Please. All right. Chargers 25, Cardinals 24. The Chargers quickly abandoned the run in this game. They had 11 run plays for the game versus 52 dropbacks. We had five running back carries in the first half, two from Austin Eckler, two from Isaiah Spiller, one from Joshua Kelly for the game. Austin Eckler, Made it there PPR-wise, 15 targets, 11 catches, 60 yards, had the touchdown at the end of the game. So ended up with a pretty good PPR day. Worrisome usage on the ground. Not sure how much we can do with it at this point other than complain. Yeah, that's it. Just complain. And then for those of us who didn't, who don't have a ton of Austin Ocklers, like he's going to be the only running back this year who doesn't get hurt. And he's like 5'6", 180 pounds. And gets every single touch on, on this offense. And he's I don't just, know. He's more like five, six and two hundred and twenty-seven <laughs> pounds of pure I loss. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, he's he's just been hurt every other year of his, of his career except for this one. But uh, but yeah, he's just un he's unstoppable in the passing game. You know, 15 targets. That's to to have a, a howitzer of an arm like Justin Herbert does and have every target go to a go to a miniature running back back there is just it's so weird to see. Um, you know, DeAndre Carter, Josh Palmer, like the other guys that he's throwing to Kenny Allen does get there with the touchdown, but I, you know, he's just not really, I just think he's, he's kind of dust. He's that hamstring. He's older. Like he's just not going to be what he used to be down the stretch. He's not really getting, getting open. So, uh, we'll kind of see how that goes, but, um, you know, they, they threw 83% of the time. So when you throw in. 83% of the time, everyone's kind of going to be able to get there. Um, it's just depending on who are the touchdowns going to go to. Palmer only got five for 56, so it's kind of a mech game for him if you started him, but he still had eight targets, so um, he'll be okay as long as Mike Williams is, is, isn't there. Um, but uh, Gerald Everett, only in 60% of the routes. I don't understand it, and they're throwing so much. I don't get it. Um, you know, again, four, four for 18 for him on four targets, four and a half yards a catch, which is just impossible. 
did at least get a two point conversion to help True. a little bit there. But yeah, that's been the issue with him is right when you're like, oh, he should be involved here. They just don't run him on that many routes. I know he came into this week with an injury. He was off the injury report by the weekend, though. So that shouldn't have been an issue limiting his time. The one guy that's my like beware player from this one is DeAndre Carter coming off 10 targets, seven catches, 73 yards and a touchdown. He's the kind of guy that you can pick up if needed. We'll see if Mike Williams has a shot to play in week 13. And like you said, if they're going to throw that many times, then everybody who runs routes is going to be an option to some degree. He has had three games of four plus catches all season. All three of those have come within the past four weeks. So it's been good lately, but you know, still muted production overall. This was the first game of the year where Deandre Carter reached 11 PPR points just on receptions and yardage. So, you know, just kind of taking touchdowns out of that equation because that's the flukiest part of projecting their points. It's been the first time that he really got to that like good level of yardage plus catches. So, you know, again, DeAndre Carter is somebody that you can use. Just make sure you're not overrating what he is next week and beyond based on this particular game. Yep. Still third in routes behind Josh Palmer and Keenan Allen for this game as well, but ahead of Austin Eckler and Gerald Everett on that front. Cardinals side, big rushing day for James Conner, 25 carries, 120 yards. We talked about the big workloads for him. We thank the Chargers matchup for the production, did add a TD catch as well, so a very nice PPR day. And Kyler Murray got back to doing what we need him to do. Yeah, exactly. Finally got to play with most of his offense, right? James Conner, Hopkins, Marquise Brown, all healthy. Finally, for the first time this year, together out there on the field, um, you know, 191 pass yards, not great. Only threw 29 times, but he had two two touchdowns. Um, and he also had another 56 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So this is what we're expecting out of, out of Kyler Murray in a, in a shootout against the Chargers. And the schedule is sweet down the stretch outside of a bye week that they have. So um, that's what we want. Um and so, yeah, hopefully they can they can keep this going. Um, I heard Colin Murray do an interview after the game saying he had a, issues with the offense again. After we just heard they spent the last like two weeks like kumbayaing him and Kingsbury, and everything's gonna be great. We're getting on the same page. And after the game, he's like, "Yeah, our off our offensive scheme stunk." <laughs> Yeah, I was I hadn't heard what the comments were. I knew that there was an issue, so I was just looking it up now. And he goes, the quote, schematically, I mean, they kind of we were kind of bleeped <laughs> the word that begins with an F. Yeah. We were kind of I mean, you know, he's just saying what everybody besides Cliff Kingsbury has already realized. It's a bad offense, and it, there's only production because of how athletic Kyler Murray is and the quality of pass catchers that he has. Yeah, exactly. Kingsbury will probably be gone because Kyler Murray's not going anywhere, right? So King, King Kingsbury will be gone after after this season just because they're just not doing, they're not uh, at the peak that they that they could be. Notable that in his first game back from the broken bone in his left foot, Marquise Brown led the team in targets, led the team in catches, played 15 more snaps than DeAndre Hopkins. Most of that was on running plays. He ran three more routes than Hopkins in the game. He also operated as the primary slot guy with both Rondell Moore and Greg Dorch out. So the question becomes once those guys are healthy, what exactly do they do? I would guess that they put, especially if Rondell Moore is healthy, I would guess that they bring him back to the slot push Marquise Brown outside, shove A.J. Green out of the formation altogether for the most part. I don't know if Greg Dortch is the first one back healthy, if he makes that move. I don't know. I guess we'll have to watch that. But I think overall, I wouldn't start worrying about DeAndre Hopkins, but it does matter for his ultimate ceiling that Marquise Brown is back. I think instead of just like, you know, auto ranking Hopkins like sixth or seventh every week, maybe now he's like 13th. Yeah, and and – 
six targets. I mean, that kind of says, says it all too. It's probably, I mean, I haven't looked, but it's, I can almost guarantee it's the lowest he's had since he got back. I mean, like the first game he came back, he had like six in the first quarter. So, uh, so yeah, it's going to be ultimate ceiling will be, will, will hurt him. But I think this offense as a whole will hopefully be better with, uh, the, with healthier healthier weapons, more shots for Hopkins to score uh, inside the red zone. Marquise Brown, everyone to kind of feed off of each other, kind of like the the Niners are supposed to do, and kind of like the Niners do when they are clicking, like when they have those explosions where everybody gets involved. That's the type of offense that Arizona can have done it down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And that six targets was still a 21% share for this game, so not sure. terrible, but certainly not as high as it was before Marquise Brown returned. Anything else from this game? Just James Conner week, baby. James Conner back in the passing game and the running game looked great, um, and that's just what he can do in, the, in, in these shootouts. It's good to have him healthy for, for the uh, for the playoff stretch here. Yeah, let's just hope that Daryl Williams doesn't come back and do anything. <laughs> oh, God. I'm particularly worried about that right now. <laughs> Raiders 40-34 to 34 by the grace of Josh Jacobs in overtime. His calf apparently is just fine because even though he was questionable after sustaining the injury, injury in practice on Friday, <sighs> 33 carries, 229 yards, two touchdowns, had the 86-yard game-winning run in overtime, added six catches for 74 yards. I mean, injure my calf now. Right, that's right. I know. A lot of a lot of talk about what is how heavy is he is he going to be involved and just he was he was everything. 86 yard walk off to touchdown, which I missed. I don't know how I missed that. I missed it. I got up, came back, I'm like, oh, the, the game's over. I wonder, wonder what happened. I look 86 yards. I'm like, oh, I missed it. Um, led team in rushing, led team in receiving. Um, he does have, I don't want to, you know, throw any cold water on this, but down the stretch, he has the second toughest running back schedule down the stretch, Pat Steelers, Niners. Uh, so you know, there's a lot of talk about him being a league winner and he's going to make everybody all this money. It's like, you know, he had, he's had, he's had a nice season. He's been a steal where you got him, but, um, he does have a tough schedule down the stretch here. So, so we'll see if he's able to win people, uh, any, any money. Yeah, probably not going to have the enormous weeks that you would love to get, but he will still get there on volume. So it's going to be somebody that we start in nearly all cases, unless you're in great shape at running back. Derek Carr, 295 passing yards in this one. Touchdown throws to Mac Hollins, Amir Abdullah, and Foster Moreau, a cast of stars. Moreau, again, inefficient, got seven targets, which is nice in this game. Three catches, 33 yards, and a touchdown. So he's kind of like Greg Dulcich, where you're like, yeah, he's out there. He's probably getting opportunities. He's definitely not somebody that I know is going to give me numbers this week. Right. Exactly. It's kind of, you know, he, sometimes he doesn't get targets and he'll catch all of them. Then this one, he gets seven targets, only catches three, just very inefficient there. Um, Carr, I thought, you know, was it the first or first drive of the game? He gets, he gets hurt. Um, I'm like, oh, he doesn't, he looks like he's in a lot of pain. I don't think he's coming back. And then he, and actually, I'm sorry, the first play of the game, he threw a pick. And then the next drive, he comes in, he, he, he gets hurt, ends up with two picks this game. Um, did, didn't look that great, but ends up with 295 yards, three scores, because he's got so much talent around him. Um, Adam, seven for 74 on 11 targets. You know, he, th- um, they were thrown into, Carr's thrown into double coverage to him a lot. They couldn't really get, get clicking, get going. Um, so he, he was, they weren't going to let, uh, Devonte Adams beat him, and they could you could tell by the coverage that they were that they were running on him. So, but Matt Collins is good enough. Foster Moreau is good enough. Josh Jacobs is good enough to help them get it done offensively. 
yeah, potential shootout with the Chargers coming up for them in week 13. And we'll see when Darren Waller is ready to go. On the Seahawks side of this one, I'm most worried about Kenneth Walker the third. He did score two touchdowns on the ground. So if you're just looking at fantasy scores, you're like, great. Ken Walker got there just like I wanted him to. But that passed <laughs> 26 yards on 14 carries versus the number 22 run defense by DVOA, according to Football Outsiders. He had 17 yards the last time out on 10 carries against the Bucks. Three games among his past four now with 2.8 yards per rush or less. Yeah, it's not not good for him. I mean, he still gets there in the in the the touchdown department and or the receiving department every week. So he's, you're obviously not, not benching him. And at least Seattle's competent enough to like, okay, you want to try to take away Kenneth Walker? Fine. Uh, Gino's able to distribute 328 yards, two touchdowns, Metcalf, Lockett, getting those guys involved. You know, Lockett only had seven targets, three for 68 and a score. But, uh, but he's, you know, he's their, their kind of their, their deep threat um, here. And, and so, yeah, I mean, at least, uh, the, the, the offense, it's still fun to start pieces from this offense because someone, one or two pieces are going to, are going to hit every single week. And uh, most often this season, it's been, it's been all three pieces, Walker, Metcalf and, and Lockett. I do think that there will be scenarios for week 13 where Walker is not a, a quality starter. So his yards before contact per attempt have been under 2.0 for each of those three poor recent games that I mentioned his other three games as a lead back, all 2.3 or better. So Ken Walker's yardage is very good when he's getting blocking. It's been very bad when he's not getting the blocking. Obviously, that makes sense. This next matchup is at the Rams. They've got Aaron Donald, as we all know, who plays everything well on defense. The Rams also have Bobby Wagner, Ernest Jones, Leonard Floyd, all grade better against the run than they do on pass plays, whether it be coverage for the linebackers or pass rushing for Leonard Floyd. So this is not a good matchup for rushing. And I think there's a chance that Walker has a rough game. You know, you're going to have to still be pretty stacked at running back to have better options than him. But I think that there will be plenty of teams that have two better options than Ken Walker for week. Yeah, maybe it'll be interesting. I mean, the, the Rams are so bad. Like, I mean, Isaiah Pacheco ran, ran, ran all over the Rams yesterday. Yeah, but for 69 yards on 22 carries. So that's a good example. Yeah, but I mean, I, Pacheco's not good. And like, so I think Walker's good. I think this is a, a game where it's at, it's, it's, it's at the Rams. So maybe scoring will be a little down for Seattle, but. I don't know. I'd be interesting. I'll have to go look at the, the, the rankings. It's, it's certainly not a good matchup as far as like fantasy points allowed. The, the Rams aren't, it's a big, it's a big bright red matchup on, on, on the strength, the schedule page. But I think if you look a little deeper um, you know, this is how, what they've done all year and the team's just getting worse and worse. So the, the Rams are, and they're just going to be out of it more and more. So um, I think, I think we'll be okay. He'll probably find the end zone in a game. That's an absolute blowout. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those like Damian Pierce where you're not we're not pushing him out of starter range, but if he lands inside the top 12 in those initial week 13 rankings, I'm going to be arguing him down below that, probably somewhere more like uh, 18, but we'll see about the specific numbers. Sure. Let's take a quick look at that strength of schedule page because we've referenced it a few times. This, of course, is on DraftSharks.com. Um, and as you can see, you can. this is the running backs here. We talk about what's left. You can customize it. I've got it right now set to week 13 and beyond because we have one game left in week 12. Um, but, you know, if you play into week 18, you can change that setting there to see who teams play there. Um, and then from week 13 on, I mentioned earlier, Derrick Henry got the second best schedule, the Rams. Have the top schedule. Unfortunately, the Rams Who do not cares? have a <laughs> game in just a minute. 
yeah, who cares about about the, the Rams' strength of schedule? Um, but yeah, no, that that's that's such a sweet a sweet tool, and it's it's nice information to have here for the podcast too. That's right. Uh, so finally, before we get away from this team, uh, Geno Smith delivered again, as you talked about, and he might just be startable the entire rest of the season because his schedule looks good. The toughest matchup remaining is a Week 17 spot against the Jets, which, of course, has that revenge game potential. Yes. We'll see about that matchup once we get there. But I th- like between this week and that one, there's no week that says don't start Geno Smith to me. Yeah, he's again, he's looked great. He even popped in 22 rushing yards. We didn't talk about he's always got that little mini rushing upside for us, has elite weapons all over the place. So, yeah, uh, he's he's going to be a fun guy to start down the stretch. Chiefs 26, Rams 10 in a game that really should have been there should have been a wider gap than that. Nothing big from the Chiefs offense. They just underplayed this one. I wasn't watching it to say what they were doing. could have done better or whether the Rams are doing something really well on defense. But it's Patrick Mahomes. He threw for 320, only threw for one touchdown, threw a fourth quarter interception into the end zone, which could have been another touchdown. Um, so, you know, it, it stinks to not get bigger num- numbers than that from Patrick Mahomes, but you can't really complain based on what he's given you overall. The one, you know, you talk, let's talk about Isaiah Pacheco first, because he did get plenty of work, 22 carries in a matchup that doesn't favor running 69 yards, but did get a three yard touchdown on the ground. Yeah. And I feel like every year there's that, there's this like kind of a no name running back. I think it was, you know, Damian Williams a couple of years back. It's always like some guy for the chiefs in the fantasy playoffs or the NFL playoffs, it always kind of has uh, a really great stretch for them. And I think it could be Pacheco th- this year. I mean, 22 carries is just so sweet to have on an offense like this. I think what the, the problem with the offense is they were just, they were, they forced a couple turnovers at the end of the game and they started like with the ball at the, you know, at the Rams 20 or at the Rams 30. And the game was just, it's over. They were just, I feel like they were, they were working on like their, four minute offense, like the whole, like fourth, fourth quarter. Let's see if we can just run the, run the clock out with Pacheco here. Um, they also weren't really going to, uh, they weren't passing the ball down, down by the goal line. Like, like they normally do it was, Hey, let's, let's run, let's run, run Pacheco. They're throwing the ball with the third string tight end. Like, you know, they weren't really involved. The passing game wasn't as, uh, as dynamic as it could have been. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I feel like they were really trying to force the run game here with 26 carries between Pacheco and Ronald Jones. Yeah, Pacheco did dominate the carries, did also come within five routes of Jarek McKinnon in this one. Still only got one target, though. That's the only target he's gotten since taking over as a starter. Three straight games of 15-plus carries, so a nice spot to be in. He's kind of like Deontay Foreman, but on a team that doesn't actually want to run the ball and especially doesn't run the ball a lot near the goal line. Yeah, that's that's the that's a good point too. It's like, man, you know, you get these guys around great offenses, but it's like they get down there and it could be anything. It's probably going to be Kelsey, or it's going to be a shovel pass to Kelsey, or it's going to be some little trick, a little end around to somebody. They're rarely just going to drop back and hand it off because if you're the, you know, if you're playing the Chiefs, what do you want them to do? You want them to take the bottom of Holmes's hands and hand it to Isaiah Pacheco. So they're not going to do that. Um, so it, it is interesting, but. But yeah, as far as the passing game is concerned, they really spread spread the ball around. I mean, Kelsey led the team with four catches, MVS four, Juju three. Um, I'm sorry, Sky Moore led the team with five for, for five catches, but still for 36 yards from him. It was nice to see him more involved in like that Kadarius Tony role we were hoping to get last week um, because Tony's just a little bit better. He might he might have done a little bit more with that, but uh, but yeah, it wasn't a big fantasy day for all these guys. Kelsey gets there. 
um, kind of embarrasses Jalen Ramsey over the middle early in the game for a touchdown. You think he's on his way to another Travis Kelsey monster, uh, only finishes with four for 57. But, you know, it just go, go, goes to show you, man, even guys like Jalen Ramsey can't hang with Travis Kelsey over the middle of the field. It was funny to watch them show uh, afterwards in the sidelines. Ramsey's trying to explain the D coordinator what, what happened. He was frustrated. Like uh, Kelsey's one of the most unstoppable um, kind of receiving options that we've ever seen over the last 20 years. I don't know what happened, Coach. He's a 35-year-old white dude. How can he throw one like that? That's right. He moves, though. He moves. <laughs> yeah. That shouldn't be possible, Coach. He's got a beard and everything. <laughs> Sky Moore, I'm sure that there are plenty of people that are excited about Sky Moore leading the team in catches here. I would caution you to realize that he finished fourth among Chiefs wideouts and routes in this game, tied for seventh among all Chiefs. Uh the third tight end for the Chiefs, Joe Fortson, this one was just one route behind Sky Moore. So I like Sky Moore as much as anybody. I'm excited about him long term. I don't think that he's going to offer you much help in fantasy the rest of the way. He's stashable, but if you're expecting him to make a difference on your playoff roster, I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah, we're going to get Nicole Hardman back. We're going to get Tony back. Juju, I feel like he he was barely out there. He's like their slot guy. Like I said, they kept running these multiple tight end sets. They kept trying to run the ball. They were really working on that. Juju kept running like decoy routes. He kept running like five-yard ins, five-yard in, and kind of clearing it out for everybody else. They finally went to him on like one drive. He had three catches, which ended up kind of giving him some fantasy points. But other than that, he was like he was almost a decoy or he didn't play. He was only out there for 44% of routes. Mm-hmm. On the Rams side, Allen Robinson is going to need season-ending foot surgery just as well. We didn't want to use him anyway. It would seem to make sense to me at this point that the team go ahead and shuts down Matthew Stafford for his multiple physical issues. You've, we, we got the report from Adam Schefter that the team doesn't know when he's going to return or if he will at any point this year. It, it certainly makes sense to not play Stafford again. So we'll see what happens on this front. Um, but you're trying not to play any Rams going forward. And really that includes the backfield. We did get Kyron Williams operating as the leader for a change in this one, 38 snaps to Cam Akers, 16 quadruple Cam Akers and routes, 11 carries to eight, but still just no production there. Yeah. That's literally what I put in my notes was like, start none of your Rams. Like it's just an absolute mess. It's just amazing to see where they've come from. They win a Super Bowl, unstoppable on offense. Everyone gets hurt. The team looks terrible. And now they're an afterthought. You're not starting any of them. The players they do have stink. Like you said, they they there's you're getting mixed reports. The Stafford coming back. He's is coming back. He's not. That that won't matter either. So um, yeah, don't don't look to to play any of these guys. It's like they're an episode of Goosebumps or some other kids horror show where they sold their soul. They got that championship. <laughs> and now we're at the scary part where you're realizing why you shouldn't have done that in the first place. As, well, as a Bills fan, I'd be perfectly happy with that. <laughs> <It's> your, <laughs> you're like, I'm click, I'm switching it off after the happy part. I'm scary. That's okay. I'll, I'll watch some Goosebumps together to get a Super Bowl. Tyler Higby, by the way, playing time limited in this one versus normal 59%. Um, did come in questionable, but did play. Ran just 10 routes among 29 team dropbacks. Ran fewer routes than Bryson. Bryson Hopkins is bro. I free, I keep I'm forgetting now. Bryson Hopkins is the tight end, and Bryce Perkins is the quarterback. Yes, Perkins is the quarterback. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's what I was about to say. So yeah, even Bryson Hopkins <laughs> ran more routes than Tyler Higby. I mean, it just let's not use any of them. Correct. 49ers 13, Saints zero in the ugly football game the saints continue to kill alvin Kamara. we knew this was going to be a tough rushing spot he did at least lead the team with six catches 
37 yards, second on the team in targets, but even he worked to kill that value by losing two fumbles in this game. I know, lost two fumbles, lost one at the goal line, and a and a score and a play that you always see him score on. He catches this little arrow route with an angle on a guy like, oh, he's gonna find his way in because he's Alvin Kamara. Couldn't get in, gets like lifted up, you know, slammed, fumbles it. You know, I was just looking up like, man, Kamara's got to be a bust. I just feel like he had that one monster game. I'm like, what a bust, Kamara! But I look up, he's been, he's RB15. Now he was drafted higher than RB15, but I wasn't even expecting him to be in the top 15 running backs. I think it's just because every week he gets like four or five catches for you know 20 yards every week. So um, it really know. has been that one monster game, though. That's the only time still that he scored any touchdowns that week yeah. eight game against the Raiders, and he's now working on a string of five straight with three and a half yards per carry or less. He's had less than 10 carries in three of the past four games. You know, the receptions have been okay, but right. certainly not enough to totally make up for it. So it's it's really pretty busty overall, especially since that Raiders game. The reception numbers were a lot better before that. Yeah, it's just been, he just hasn't been, he, has, he hasn't been great. So, you know, um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough with him to, down the stretch. Uh, Alave, Five catches for 62 yards and nine targets. You're starting him every week. You kind of got to hope for that touchdown to really put him over, over the top. But um, let's get let's get Jameis Winston out there already. Let's get him out there. Let him sling the ball around. See what they can do there. Because you know that 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 might be the only thing to kind of save this offense is to see like well you know what's he going to do differently. Maybe he gets Kamara more involved. Uh, maybe Alave he gets more involved deep down the field. Alave's been fine. Alave's great, but. Uh, we'd like to. We would like to get the ultimate ceiling on these players, and it's crazy to say it might be Jameis Winston. <laughs> I mean, when the other answer is Andy Dalton, it's that's true. Less crazy. Alvin <laughs> Kamara gets a negative rushing matchup with Tampa Bay in Week 13. Didn't fare great against them in two games last year. Then a bye in Week 14. So I mean, Alvin Kamara certainly could be a set for teams in Week 13, as uncomfortable as it still would be after the bye. Atlanta, Cleveland, and Philly much better spots. So there's still room for Alvin Kamara to help you down the stretch, but you know, consider your options strongly for week 13. Like I've said, we'll have the rankings out tomorrow to actually see where he stacks up against others. Yep. On the 49er side, Elijah Mitchell was a pain again, but then left the game with a knee injury, likely a sprained MCL and the opposite knee from the one that landed him on IR early this season. Of course, Christian McCaffrey still couldn't capitalize 49 total yards on 11 carries and four catches. And after the game, we found out he's dealing with some knee soreness. Yes. Um, you know, Elijah, the, the MCL sprain, like you said, this whole offense busted. It didn't even, it didn't look good. Like um, CMC has knee, knee irritation. He didn't look good. Um, you know, Ayuk, I think might be the number one receiver kind of going forward here. Five for 65. Uh, Not Jennings. He's been, oh, so frustrating. They score one touchdown. It's Jawan Jennings. Didn't help anybody. You know, what are they what are they doing here? But um, you know, CMC was also open on a bunch of pass play. Like one, he was wide open. He probably scores on. He just doesn't look to that side, to the side of the field. J- Jimmy G does. So I don't know. Just kind of a weird game for them to kind of dominate defensively the way that they did and not be able to get more, more points. Um, 33 routes for Kittle, which was third on the team, but only four targets, low A dot. They're not being creative with him at all. Um, so I don't know what, like, there's some games where this offense with all these weapons is just unstoppable. And then, and then you get a game like this against the Saints where it just looks, it looks pathetic. 
potential shootout spot against Miami next week. So definitely some upside still to the 49ers for that one. Then we'll see about that game before projecting into a week 14 matchup with the Bucs. They finished, though, with the Seahawks, Commanders, and Raiders. So a very nice remaining schedule for that San Francisco offense overall. Yeah, and you're still starting your pieces, right? It's good. You know, it's better for the offensive pieces if if a lot – uh, Elijah Mitchell's out because it, you know, gets CMC more, more involved, gets Debo more involved. The guy who's had like one good game in the last like five or six. So um, it'd be nice to see him kind of go off for the for the playoff run. I wish I had started Miles Sanders over Christian McCaffrey yesterday. Obviously, not a decision I was really making heading into the game. <laughs> but in that Eagles forty, Packers thirty three nightcap, we had three hundred and sixty three total rushing yards. For Philly, we had Miles Sanders, 21 carries for 143 and two touchdowns. Jalen Hurts, 157 on the ground. He had 100 rushing yards before the end of the first quarter. Yeah, it was crazy. He had one run. It was like a 60-yard run down the right sideline where he was just like, I don't know if they were in man defense and he just like rolled right. Nobody was there. He jogged for like 60 yards. I'm like, what is, you guys forgot Jalen Hurts can can, can run the ball, but yeah. I thought it was the old Steve Bono play for a minute. Yeah, that's right. 363 rushing yards they were they did whatever they wanted they they completely overwhelmed green bay's defense they, they were running it they were, and they were still throwing it. like they didn't throw for a lot of yards but you know whenever they did it was like they kind of got whatever they wanted aj brown and one-on-one coverage down at the goal line easy touchdown you know quads Watkins even even doing his 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 best juan jones impression over there so he had, game i believe for him with a touchdown yeah yep yep so yeah i mean this offense is just they can they can beat you any way they want. They want you know, they want to run the ball. They can do it with an elite offensive line and some good backs and a great rushing quarterback. They want to throw the ball. They can they can do it. So today was more of a rushing day, but at least you got guys like AJ Brown was able to was able to get in, in, into the end zone. Yeah, nice to see the offense get back on track after a, a really a down game against the Colts. The game before against Washington, I was kind of reminded that when they had the ball, they actually played well on offense. It was just that they turned the ball over too much, and then the defense let Washington run too much. It wasn't a matter of the offense struggling in that first loss of the season. You mentioned A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, not exciting in this game. They did combine for 53.6% of targets, so you know we'll take that. We'll move on to next week. The defense for Philly didn't play particularly well in this one. The Packers moved the ball well, seven yards per play. Christian Watson, most notable, with a long touchdown for his sixth TD in three games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This offense is just going to be so good down the the fantasy stretch here. Mm -hmm. On the Packers side, Christian Watson, six targets led the team, four catches, 110. The big play, the 63-yarder, of course, a throw across the middle from Jordan Love after Aaron Rodgers left the game, and then Watson just took off. And as soon as I saw him able to get the corner, I was like, oh, crap, this play is over. (laughs) (laughs) And it was. Um, Jordan Love looked decent, didn't play a lot, and it was at a point where Philly was up by two touchdowns. But, you know, it was still a competitive portion of the game. We'll see whether it's Jordan Love next week. Aaron Rodgers is in for more testing on whatever his injury is. We heard that he left the game wondering if he had punctured a lung because he was having trouble breathing. They're saying a rib injury. I heard oblique injury reported. So we'll see exactly what's going on. And he says that as long as they're mathematically in it, he's going to try to play. Which is what you want to hear out of Rodgers. But um, but yeah, back to, back to Watson. Like, like It's just nice to see. Like he doesn't get a ton of targets, six six targets, not a lot of catches, four, but he just does the most of them. They target him at what he's successful at, right? So like he, I like when they take these young receivers, these young raw receivers, and run them on these 
these deep crossers and these deep drags. Hey, you know, it reminds me of like what they used to do with DK Metcalf, like his rookie year, like these raw guys. Like just get them on these deep, or even AJ Brown early in his career. Get him on these deep drags, man. Let him catch it and run and just be athletic. And that's what they've been doing with Christian Watson. He had a, you know, had that long catch and run for a touchdown. Had another one with Jordan Love later in the game at a deep in in breaking route. So, you know, they lost this game, but they scored a, a ton of points. And this is the offense that we expected to see, or at least I expected to see, getting the running backs involved in the, in the, in the passing game. They were scoring, you know, their offense was moving the ball up and down the field for most of this game. You know, you got Aaron Jones with four, four targets, A.J. Dillon with four targets. They're running it. They're catching it. So it kind of, I think I kept the Eagles a little bit off, off balance, and everyone was, look, was looking good in this game. So hopefully they get Rodgers back and they can continue to get, you know, run this offense through the running backs in the run and the pass game, but then also get Christian Watson involved deep, deep down the field and let, let him be an athlete. As we mentioned earlier, they get the Bears next week. So upside spot for everybody. Anybody yes. that you're considering starting, go ahead and, and line them up for that one. That's going to do it for this week 12 recap edition of the podcast. You can head to draftsharks.com now for more details on what happened with all of your key week 12 players in the Shark Bite section. You can check out the strength of schedule pages. You can check out the adjusted fantasy points allowed for all the matchup numbers we've been referencing along the way. Week 13 projections coming out tomorrow, along with our trio of waiver wire articles. Our third dynasty buy sell hold report of the season is also going to hit the site Wednesday, along with the other usual weekly content that comes out that day. Free agent finder trade navigator, of course, live at all times to help you out. Adam, you guys have a deep end coming up this week. Yeah, we'll be uh, doing the deep end again this week, talking about um, kind of again the onesie positions with the with the waiver wire. You know, looking at some waiver wire pickups. Um, only two weeks left for waivers for a lot of these high stakes leagues, so we're going to dive into that and um, see if there's any players that can uh, help carry us to to a title. We'll be watching for that, and of course, check back on the Draft Sharks YouTube channel throughout the week to find all of our usual episodes. For Adam Krautwurst and the entire Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.